Welcome to Fujoshi Weekly, the show for the spiciest part of fandom and my hero academia shippers everywhere. I'm your host, Angie, and I'm here with Ash. Hi. And Tethna. Hi, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> We're so leaving weird. it in. We're leaving it in. We're leaving it in. <laughs> That's how it is. <laughs> That was so cute. Yeah. <laughs> okay, leave it in. <laughs> And welcome to our second installment of our Omegaverse mini-series. Last time we basically had an Omegaverse 101, where we talked about the basics and variations present in this particular AU. If you haven't listened to it yet, we suggest you do that before continuing and come back later. In this episode, we will go into the popularity of Omegaverse, what we personally like about it, and will feature opinions and stories of trans and non-binary people regarding gender and Omegaverse. We also briefly brush upon how this trope extended the boundaries of fandom, be it landing in newspapers or being found in BL manga and published novels. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> And just like last time, before we dive into this, I want to issue a content warning for this episode. There will be mentions of several kinks prevalent in fandom, including the more problematic ones such as MPREC, rape, bodily fluids and all, all that good stuff. <laughs> There will also be mentions of dysphoria and mental health in our guest contributions. If you are a more sensitive person to these topics, especially Omegaverse in general, please take care of yourself and either proceed with caution or opt out of this one. We good? Good. Good. Great. <laughs> Last time I ended the episode by saying that if you know where it comes from, you will also know why so many kinks are present of it, because it Ooh. sparked from a kink meme <laughs> and yep. uh, I tried to look a little bit into it and uh, a blog called fanfiction recommendations I will put the link as usual in the description seems to have found where this comes from in a post made in 2018 on this blog they claim to have found a source And I think that the fandom consensus agrees that the supernatural fandom is the source. So I'll read out what they found. There's an anonymous life journal post from May 2010 with a prompt. And it reads as follows. AU, their world is just like ours, except in their world, there are two types of men. One is the alpha male, the other is the bitch male. Alpha males are like any ordinary guy with the exception of their cocks. They work just like dog cocks, in parentheses, the not tons of cum, etc. The bitch male is just an ordinary guy without the special cock. <laughs> I'd like to see alpha male Jared and bitch male Jensen. Jensen is a snotty prude, like lady from Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> he may be a bitch male, but he's not just going to let anybody take a go at his sweet little ass <laughs> until he meets Jared. Then prudely, prudy little Jensen turns cockslot for Jared. 
bonus points if J J square J two yeah J square J two J square uh, being OTP. Jensen was a virgin before Jared, and now that they meet each other, it's for life. Completely up to you if if mating happens. Just anywhere, like in the middle of the sidewalk, in a park, etc., on a more private level. What's That's so fucking interesting is that it's not history. even a supernatural prompt. It's a fucking it's real world <laughs> fiction it's prompt RPM. for Jensen, <laughs> for J- well, Jensen and Jared. I mean, that, that pairing name? exists. The, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's real fiction uh, RPF, real fiction pairing. No, real, real, real person. Real, real, real person. person. Yeah, real person yeah. fiction. Yes. So, but uh, come on, Jensen and Jared wouldn't exist as a pairing if not for Supernatural. No, for real. No, it's because of super. But like, yeah, no, it's I, as, on a fundamental level. I knew that it um, was Supernatural. I've even read this prompt, but I didn't read the second part of the prompt. So I didn't know it was Jensen and Jared. <laughs> 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 Well, the thing is, it got elaborated more because later in November of the same year and in January 2011, a similar prompt popped up in two different anonymous prompts. And this is, I think, all on LifeJournal, culminating into the following. There are three types of men, alpha males, beta males and omega males. Alpha males are like any ordinary guy with the exception of their cocks. They work just like canines, like strong breeders, they're not, tons of cum, etc., etc. The beta male is an ordinary guy without a special cock. Omega males are capable of childbearing and are often called bitch males. Mm. The birth of the mother and omegas. Yeah. The birth of the mother. So Uh. from this uh, J square or J2 prompt, like somebody was like, Okay, I think I've read something about Alpha, Beta, Omega from some right-wing stupid blog. No, probably not. (laughs) 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 And they were like, okay, let's let's put the name, let's put the name on this thing. And fandom did what fandom does best and transformed it into what we know now. So it's not around for that long, if you think, I mean, it's 10 years. Yeah. If you think how long fan fiction exists and all these tropes that we know in fan fiction, it's fairly recent. Is, not, is yeah. fairly recent. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, thank you, Supernatural. Yeah, mm-hmm. you were in the Supernatural <laughs> fandom, Ash. I was, and I've I consumed my share of Omegaverse in the Supernatural <laughs> fanfiction. Uh, there's one that that just stands out, and it's Dean. He just went in. Like he was trying out different scents because he was lonely and he just wanted mm-hmm. to smell an alpha. And then he smelled this scent because it, he was buying scents from a store mm-hmm. or a, like some sort of sh- online, sh- not online, but he, it was some sort of scent dealer. And like he bought this scent and it just threw him into the worst heat of his entire life. <laughs> And like he was unable to stop being in heat. He was about to die. Okay, like literally die because he couldn't, because he wouldn't dissipate. So they had to find the scent of the person of the scent that he bought from this anonymous 
Castiel. Literally, I don't know. They found him. And they're like, you gotta help this guy. He's gonna die. Okay, so you have to fuck him. Just, <laughs> oh, no. So they sent him in there and he's like, um... Uh, hi. Well, because you know, and he wasn't. I don't think he was a sexual person. He just, you know, he had this strong scent. And he was just, he was just donating it or something. And like, I don't know. So he ended up having to fuck Dean like eight hundred times before <laughs> it would finally. <laughs> I don't know. It was something fucking ridiculous. But <laughs> they just did it so much. It was oh my good. God. <laughs> that stands out. So I wish yeah. I knew what that one was called. Yeah, yeah. That's why a lot of ABO is just it's smut. It is. It it originates from from that prompt. So of course it's a kink meme. So there's a it's smut. Yes. Mm-hmm. But we've pulled some numbers that are very interesting from some numbers from ABO and I think Defna. Do you want mm-hmm. to take over again? Yeah. So there's. A surprising like amount of data that some amazing fandom statistic counts uh, pulled named Destination Toast and A-E-T-H-E-L, Ethel on Tumblr. And me and Angie also pulled some number directly from AO3, which was, it was in the end of April 2021, April 26th. And on that day, there are... 95,866 works, which is insane. And <laughs> it's constantly growing. Like this number tripled since 2018 and grew eight times since 2016. It's like ABO insanity. <laughs> so ever since people learned about it, knew about it. Mm. It's great. It's growing. Like I think the more influx you have in fandom like new people joining and finding omegaverse there's more more omegaverse created because if you're into it because it caters to so many tropes that are beloved or so many kinks if you get into it you're gonna consume everything you find and you're gonna write or draw art of it so you know and i feel like it just kind of shows like the more animalistic side of humanity as we know mm-hmm. it, because there's a mm-hmm. lot of people that find this kind of stuff really sexy and horny, but mm. it's just like, <laughs> it's not really stuff that we do in real life, but it somehow caters to some sort of primal urge within us, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that mm. just otherwise goes unsated. So mm-hmm. yeah, the trend continues upwards still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It grows not only in numbers because, you know, the, the amount of fanfics always increases, but also in popularity. And right now, 1.27% of all the works in Archive of Our Own are Omegaverse. And mm. in 2018, it was 1.19. And in 2016, it was less than one. It was less than 0.4. It's just like people are so into it. It just keeps mm-hmm. growing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really interesting to see because there's ABO in every big fandom, but some big fandoms, it's more popular than others. Like the Harry Potter fandom has like almost half the amount 
from normal fandoms. I don't know why they don't like it. Maybe they have magic, so they we don't need... We have magic, need... we don't need it's it. It's the magic, yeah, they don't need it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like for the biggest fandoms like Marvel, Avengers, Star Wars, Sherlock, it's a bit less than 2%, but for Supernatural and Teen Wolf, it's like higher than 2%. And like almost double than the average, which is not surprising at all since it originated from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Teen Wolf is like werewolves. It's, <laughs> it's already there. It's, it's installed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's been made for that trope. Mm-hmm. And so the big fandoms that have the highest percent of Omegaverse, which is surprising because they have nothing to do with wolves, are Urian Ice. Hannibal and <laughs> BTS. They have five percent Omegaverse works. <laughs> it's so weird because BTS is like real person fiction. It, it's really it's real person fiction. It's so okay. I but I BTS guess, is huge. I think only the MCU is larger than the BTS fandom right now. Or even I just know that the two of them. There's the MCU, which is gigantic on Mm -hmm. AO3 and BTS is really big. But that doesn't, Mm -hmm. that still doesn't make sense as to why MCU is so low on the spectrum versus BTS, which is real person fiction. And it's just like, and I understand that, you know, K-pop is super popular right now, but it's just, it's so weird to me because real person fiction is something that's been taboo for me. Um, in my experience, I'm not saying I've never written real person fiction because I have, but it's not really something that you typically. Well, fandom always about. existed, and mm, YouTubers is, are getting shipped, and you know, One Direction was really big <sighs> it was as well. Huge, so <laughs> yes. true. I it, I guess it's usually younger people who are who into fandoms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. Maybe it's just me because I'm really old, but I have the <laughs> perception that a lot of BTS shippers are young. Well, to be fair, I was pretty young when I wrote my real person fic, um, too. And then I realized that, you know, maybe I shouldn't write about real people, you know. But, yeah. um, it's yeah, not for I... me either, but. You do you mm-hmm. as long as you yeah. respect the real people. As long as and you don't respect the real people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're already going too far, but it's just like I wouldn't bring it to their attention by any means no. that this exists. No. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I find it funny that Urionice is so high up in this mm-hmm. list. But yeah. You know, when I think about it, I think that fandoms that don't have any magical or superpower elements like lean into it more because they don't mm-hmm. have any other way to make the ridiculous scenarios happen. Truth. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe yeah. that's why. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how, how are you going to write fuck or die like you're real nice? You can't unless you, you, can't. <laughs> you write some really well, wild shit. You have like Yuri Kotsky needs to fuck Victor or else some Bratva guys will kill Yuri <laughs> Pisetsky. Oh, I don't know. You can not, come up with yeah. it. Come on. You can answer it too, too. You're right. Oh, but no, no, Daphne makes a really good point because like all of these ones that are in the top ones, other than Teen Wolf, which I mean, obviously are mm. real people with no magical elements. Mm. Mm-hmm. So 
I think that's exactly the reason is because Omegaverse lets you have that, you mm-hmm. know, where it's not before. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, the percentage is high. It's more than 5% yeah. <laughs> of all the fix. It's, it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For My Hero Academia, there is 6,000 Omegaverse fix, which is a respectable 3.57%. Mm-hmm. It's high mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That's for high. a newer it's... series, that's actually pretty high. Like this, I mean, MHA, like, it's relatively new, what, six, six years mm-hmm. of it? I don't know. How how long have we had this series? It's 2014, yes. July okay. 7th. Okay, yeah. So it's, it's about seven years. So, I mean, as far as the series that have been listed, I mean, it's fairly recent of the... I guess I don't know when Yuri and Ice happened. Yuri and Ice was 2016. It's two mm. years okay. younger. So that's also younger. So Yuri and Ice just fucking took off. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> As it should. Deserve. As it should. Yes. Okay. Um, that's mm-hmm. good. That's good. And <laughs> I joined fandom and all on, online fandom and fan fiction stuff with Yuri and Ice. So it's no surprise I found Omegaverse on that fandom as well, because it's so big. It's really big. Right. Mm-hmm. Another interesting trend that I noticed is the percent of Omegaverse works that are tagged explicit is actually decreasing. Not by much. Like eight years ago, it was 58% and now it's 48%. But it still shows a trend of how it started as a king trope. And now more and more people are taking it into other directions, exploring a dynamic or a world that they make up. I mean, not mm-hmm. really make up, but lean on. And it's really mm-hmm. cool. Maybe, I think. Maybe putting in the kink without the smut. Maybe it's also thanks just to integrated. BTS. Who knows? Yeah, mm-hmm. Maybe. The influx yeah. with a lot of young people who don't want to write smut or read smut and maybe they are into BTS and so Omegaverse fiction now happens that isn't in the explicit tag because of BTS. I don't know. I don't want to uh, assume. But <laughs> comment, uh, add us on Twitter with your take on these numbers uh, if you have any. I think it's very interesting. And mm-hmm. Omegaverse is growing and growing mm-hmm. and it's hugely popular. Mm-hmm. And 90% are a ship between two male characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, have you have you guys seen around like female on female Omegaverse fix? Because I've I guess I don't really look for it, but I also barely see it around. No, I only see them. If they're in a pairing inside of a fic mm. where it's a male and male pairing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like a side pairing. It's never, ever just a female or even a female and a male or a female, female. It's, it's Usually it has to come as a side piece with a male and male pair. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the fandom. A lot of um, fictional stories and movies nowadays still have a lot of male leads mm-hmm. and not that many interesting female characters. They are increasing, but it's still pretty male-focused out there in the mm-hmm. fiction world, in the mainstream fiction world. So it's no surprise that a lot of fan fiction is pairing between two men because that's where the fleshed-out interesting characters are. 
yeah. and relationships that you can mm -hmm. kind of zoom in. If you look at different stories like um, Star Wars, which uh, Raylo is very big and that's the head pairing, or I'm sure, I haven't looked into it, uh, but I'm sure if you look at She-Ra or um, Legend of Korra or Captain Marvel, if you look into the MCU, I'm sure there are some female pairings in there. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's just my take why why it's the percentage between um, all of, in anime at least I you know all of the good like straight pairings or even you know like strong female leads have seen they just happen in older anime from what I at least like or at least I think before like I started shipping male and male stuff like all of the romance and stuff that was just hetero you know like i've only seen the good romances in older ones like fruits basket or full metal panic and you know it's just like it's one of those mm -hmm. things where it just doesn't happen nowadays and it's it's definitely focused more on the guy and like if there is a female love interest she's not fleshed out you know she's kind of just there to be <laughs> Well, it depends on what romance you consume. Um, yeah. Like just this year we had uh, Horimiya. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. I, I was told I, I have really to watch that. It. <laughs> and one of my all-time favorite pairings is actually a head pairing. It's Notame from Notame Cantabile with Chiaki. I think that's a really nice romance. And also, I, I'm a Notame kin. I'm just as horny as she is. And I love it. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's... You definitely don't find it in shonen. But shonen yeah. is what's what's really popular. So That's what gets really popular. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like not Like the battle in... shonen because Horimiya is a shonen as well. So Yeah. But it's just like we barely... We rarely ever get series that are... Like these shonen that have really, really good female characters mm -hmm. that can be put into fan fiction because it just doesn't get popular enough to get there, you know. Or so it's you just like, have magically a female author in shonen like Full Metal Alchemist, where you have yes. like really cool female characters, and I think. But they don't get uh, enough screen time no, for them to be relevant no, no that's the thing there, there are side 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 characters so yeah, yeah. so it sucks <laughs> so going back into the Omegaverse that's a tangent yes. maybe I'll cut mm -hmm. it out we'll yeah see. we can cut that <laughs> <laughs> well Christina Busse who is I think that's how you pronounce her name Christina Busse I think that's uh, German. She's a former director of the OTW, who is like the umbrella for a lot of transformative works. We talked about this. They also like the board of directors of AO3. Um, she called Omegaverse the perfect storm because it's a culmination of so many, so many different things, like all the gender constellations that you can possibly come up with smut like body fluids ass babies ship babies biomedical <laughs> technologies scent blockers suppressants and all that thing also there's a 
puberty angle, like presenting, like we haven't talked about that, but a lot of the secondary mm. genders aren't clear at birth. So it's something that happens during puberty. You have narratives of oppression, vulnerability, dependence, prey-predator dynamics, like overruling everything rational in your mind, unequal power dynamics, dopcon, knowing each other in and out through scent and bondings and all that's all that thing. And I I see it the same because for me uh, if I might add my own take on ABO, it's really the, a perfect storm puts it into words. And um, mm -hmm. one aspect I always found funny is how some of these awful pickup artists, like I mentioned before, and super misogynistic people in the self-help department had whole essays about how to be a man and alpha man and beta omega and, and what these are. And like they took the same faulty wolf hierarchy study and used it to explain why men are the ones in charge. Oh <laughs> and I don't know, reading APO because this I informed myself about shit like this because I was interesting on how what bad people think I think is always interesting or, or important to know what arguments are out about, there. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And finding ABO fan fiction, it was so funny because it made every I feel I to me it felt like, well, fandom took this and ridiculed these stupid pickup artists into making it a kink trope. <laughs> they fetishized <laughs> it. Yeah, it's probably yes. not. It's probably not true, but this is just. It's, it's a nice head cannon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's like a commentary to tell them fuck you. Mm -hmm. And um, Omegaverse in itself exists across many different fandoms and the world built around this AU is often quite repressive. It's, it de depicts dystopian societies where the hierarchical social structures are skewed towards the alpha's favor. So it, it exaggerates our own world to the extreme somehow and it plays with it. It plays, plays with the what-ifs. It reminded me also a little bit on The Handmaid's Tale, for example, where it, it talks about fertility and the oppression of people who can get pregnant, basically. Mm -hmm. It really is like that in that yeah. series. Yeah. So it can be seen as a commentary of sex and gender, where the roles, as we know, in our binary world can be thrown onto its head. And ABO fix are at their core about gender and sex, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I think it's really, really interesting to play with. It's interesting to express some kinks with it. And for me, it's not a surprise that it's so popular. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so versatile as well. As we said multiple times, you can do whatever the fuck you want with the sandbox. Just build your own castle. <laughs> I think it's a really good way for people to explore fiction, and it's especially when they have kinks like these, and they, you know, everything is overwhelming. It's a, it's just somehow it integrates it really nicely. It makes it easy to work with. 
Omega verse for me is one of those things. It, you know, it's a very removed way to explore like gender roles at a safe distance away from reality. Because like for me, when I'm writing Omega verse, I don't want like women to be involved because that hits too close to home for me. Because it's just like I already get that shit every day in real life you know so it's just like you know as an abuse survivor it's kind of cathartic to see men in a position of like submission and dealing with these women issues it's kind of like having control in that sense where you know we don't really have a lot of control over it in real Mm -hmm. life especially because it's nice to see men having to deal with things like pregnancy and you know having to deal with whether or not they should like get abortions or what society is going to think of them, depending on their actions that they take. For me, it's like I always start with men that have like that heteronormative view of gender and stuff. And then I like to put them in chaos <laughs> where they have to deal with these things that they thought they'd never have to deal with. I think that's why I wrote How to Train Your Shitty Omega, because Deku never wanted, he never expected he'd ever have to deal with it. He was a beta. He was safe. You know, <laughs> he didn't have mm-hmm. to deal with it. But then suddenly he did. You know, he got his first heat and now he's an Omega, you know. So it was just one of those things that I enjoyed writing him in chaos of that suddenly I have to worry about gender roles kind of thing. So <laughs> um, it's also nice it's a, it's a nice removed way to explore dubcon and like fuck or die situations where consent is kind of impossible and I don't have to put reality into it. You know, it's just in a safe ABO sandbox where, you know, so it's like because it's a kink, you know, but I, I also mm-hmm. can't deal with that kind of stuff in real life, but I still have a kink for it, you know, so it's just like it's safe in my ABO sandbox where I can just play with it (laughs) I don't know Um, but it's also one of those things where you know with people who like animal sex without actually having to write about animals so yes like so it's like you know you have your bestiality kink but it's like I don't find a dog sexy you know so I just like (laughs) but I can still have bestiality kink in this sandbox because it's you know they're humans (laughs) So it's just like, I don't know. So it's just like the horny parts of animal sex we can just take and pluck away from that and put it into a place where it's actually functional. So, (laughs) but yeah, I also really like how ABO is insertable into other tropes. Like I love using it in angel demon tropes. I think that comes from my supernatural roots um, Mm -hmm. because Angel sex has its own weird stuff. Like, there's a lot of different <laughs> angel tropes, like out there. Really? And they really fix. Wait, wing. I want to know about the angel <laughs> sex now. <laughs> okay, well, nesting is a part of angel stuff. So it's like, so they have their nests and they have their chicks. Like, because you said you like pups. Well, angels have chicks, definitely. Oh, <laughs> That's so sweet. It's a adorable and then they have like their wing oil stuff you know so they have supernatural why (laughs) yeah no supernatural (laughs) did this and like so the scent stuff was there and the the slicking of the the wing oil stuff was there so it's just like you can really integrate abo stuff into angel like biology and sex and 
it, it was good. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed writing about that um, and my seeing in black fake that I have abandoned <laughs> on Halo 3. <laughs> um, but no, you, but you can really use it in almost every magical creature trope out there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so it, it's just good. And I really also like the forced bonding between two otherwise very antagonistic characters. Like I would... You know, so if you're taking like characters that hate each other, kind of like Bakugo hates Deku, and you just force them together, so now kiss, you know, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, like the, yes, you can so, make yeah. any pairing work. Yes, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so those are those are just some of the reasons I really like ABO. To me, well, I generally have this more like. I wear my porn glasses when I come into fandom and (laughs) it's the same with ABO and I usually consume it as a porn trope. And I think that it revolutionized pure self-indulgent smut, especially like you said, between rival characters. I mean, think about it. We usually have like Mr. Know-it-all McBroody who acts like he's (laughs) better than everybody (laughs) and Mr short boy who screams a lot and has a lot of feelings <laughs> that can't be prob- properly communicated and like I I can think of like five fandoms <laughs> that are like so this. Many. <laughs> so, so many. many. And we want them to fuck so bad but canonically <laughs> they would never in a thousand years so if you ever, either have to write like a tons of plot to make it make sense or change the background or AU or write them out of character, which is like out of character is not bad writing. You you can do that. But ABO just solves all of this so perfectly. Like (laughs) minimum work, maximum porn. It's so good. Yes. And like good shit. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot of kinks that I like, like the, the body fluids and the feralness and the predator, prey, dub con, non con and... And I also like some of the angst of it. Like, I really like societies that sees Omegas as as subhumans and then you just throw Bakugo there as an Omega (laughs) and see him deal with, like, the cruel, cruel society. Because he's, like, in canon, he's born with everything. Like, he's got the, the good quirk, he's got the good family, like, he has a good background and he's still an asshole. And <laughs> but then you can throw him in this reality, which is all the sudden <laughs> terrible to him. Yes. And he like has to deal with it. And it's it's really like amazing. It's really nice play. to throw Bakugo into chaos. It's just, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just generally. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I've also read a fair show of like slow burns and stuff like that and stuff with um, what's it called? Uh, plot, plot. <laughs> and I, yeah, I love those two. Oh, yes. And another thing that's really amazing to me about Omegaverse, that, like you mentioned, it's a way to explore gender roles and mm-hmm. how society sees a specific gender in them and how to change that and how to, like, make it extreme. And like you said, real world gender can hurt too much. And I've especially heard that from like non-binary and trans people. Like I've heard both Omegaverse help me deal with the uh, dysphoria as well as Omegaverse is causing me dysphoria. And 
I've really wanted to like hear more about it and like understand more of it. And since some sis, I can't really provide any meaningful input on it or expand on it myself, but I still wanted to know. So I've used the podcast as an excuse to ask some invasive questions. No, just kidding. I asked some <laughs> trans and non-binary people from uh, both sides of the spectrum to share their feelings and their stories. And uh, so now we're going to play them in the podcast. So the first one is Erebus. They sent us a recording that I'm going to play now. Hey there, I'm Erebus. I write... Um... various horny things, uh, one of which is Omegaverse. Just a forewarning, I'm going to be mentioning trauma, mental health issues, and sexual assault. When I first started reading Omegaverse, I was a university student in a theater program. As an actor, we were trying to connect intimately with our bodies as these instruments on stage, something to help an audience read us and our intentions and identity at a glance. And... That's a bit unnerving, especially if you're already feeling like, hey, I don't feel like X gender, or I'm uncomfortable labeling myself as this type of person. Intimacy up until that point in my life was all curated around this central belief that I had to be a certain type of person. I had to like men. I had to like penetrative sex. I shouldn't be masturbating or exploring my own body. And all of this hidden interest in fanfiction and erotica, and especially Omegaverse, was all quote-unquote dirty. I had these really restrictive, internalized beliefs about myself, and they extended to my gender. From my outside perspective at the time, ironic, looking back, The people who were experimenting with gender always seemed to know who they were. And, uh, I never did. I always felt outside of myself. Like I was watching myself put on this costume of identity that I didn't feel comfortable with. And at that point, I thought, hey, why don't I just try harder? And the issue with feeling like you have to go for it is once you're in it and you've never learned how to advocate for yourself in intimate situations, you get hurt. Each time I was going back to these intimate situations, I was going into them wearing this costume and assuming who I was and what I wanted. So when the reality of intimacy with my body, not this imagined body that I kept telling myself should enjoy these types of situations, came into play, I was always struck with this sense of fear. So for a really, really long time, when I was engaging in intimacy, it was all fear-based. I was pushing myself to put that costume identity back on and feeling the whole time, knowing, really, that that wasn't me. So I said earlier, other people seemed to know who they were, and I said that I didn't know who I was. But uh, I did know, I was just repressing it, because I didn't want to be potentially disowned or hurt for not being normal. It's interesting that so much of the time there's a normal that's imposed on us. It's something you're told you are, and if you explore what normal might look like for you, you're going to annoy or upset someone else, or worse, put yourself in danger. So thick reading was a huge escape for me at that time. I didn't want to deal with intimacy that had my body at the forefront, so displacing my desire and connecting with a fictional character was easier. I was still putting on that costume, even when the very act of putting it on was making me dissociate or panic or just completely shut down. 
and then gaslighting myself by going, trauma? Who's trauma? (laughs) I don't think so. You are just pretending for attention. It took losing, like, 90% of my memories and falling into a very, very dark place for me to finally get help. And, uh, surprise, I was diagnosed with really severe PTSD on top of a panic disorder and depression, but uh, we won't go into all of that. So it took all of that for me to finally see how caught up in this costume I was and how much fear and anxiety it was giving every part of my life. So all through this journey of therapy and unlearning this costume that I kept putting on, I was reading a ton of fanfiction, like 90% of which was Omegaverse. At that point, I wasn't writing much of it because I was still disconnected from bodies, but I was reading it and it created this, this sense of desire in me. So my fic writing went through phases. The first one was het romance and erotica, which I stopped because I was disconnected from intimacy in my own body. Then I wrote some gay fanfiction, which felt safer because my body wasn't represented at all. And then came Omegaverse fanfiction, where there was this fantasy multi-sex layout. And for some reason, that felt safe. That was something that I wanted to explore. And of course, like, I could go into (laughs) the details of, like, in the aftermath, it's kind of transphobic, thinking these bodies can only look like this, but... I was learning, okay, I was a fucked up kid. So all this time, I was learning about gender and identifying with some of the markers of transgender experience, but I still felt like, I can't be that. That's not what I was told that I was. But uh, obviously, what I thought I was was not working for me. So I finally started exploring. Obviously, it was not just Omegaverse that made me realize I'm non-binary, but... Fanfiction had a big part in my personal exploration of eroticism and intimacy. It was a private space where I was free to explore what kinds of bodies I was comfortable identifying with, without having to just outwardly go, I'm this, finally, no further changes allowed, and then potentially deal with bigotry and gaslighting. Yes, I am a giant coward, and I was like, I have to be sure I am trans before I say anything, because if someone tells me I'm not and that I'm just pretending, I might actually fall apart. That's uh, more dramatic and sad than I meant it to be, but you get the picture. If I hadn't read stories and I hadn't found places and people that were reflecting the good and awful aspects of my trauma, and been able to untangle my feelings around gender and societal expectations, I think I'd still be wearing parts of that old costume. That me that I kept trying to force myself into because that was normal. Writing and engaging with Omegaverse content was part of what helped my dysphoria. Fantasy has always been the state of exploration and imagination, And I think allowing yourself to bring gender and sexuality into that exploration is, it's incredibly freeing. I especially like that there is no one correct way to write or explore Omegaverse. It can be dark and devastating, or ridiculous and lighthearted, or both. Both is good. 
everyone is going to have their own response to eroticism and body-focused stories, which uh, that's why you should always read tags and self-moderate. <laughs> Omegaverse may seem like, oh, haha, people with luby buttholes and funky dicks on the surface, but as with many other fictional sandboxes, it's more than that, and for some folks, it isn't more than that. However you feel is valid, I think it's just really good to be mindful of how we communicate our feelings so we aren't shaming other people. Put it this way, <laughs> a friend tells you that they really like iced coffee, and you tell them, I hate iced coffee, I get headaches when I drink it, Ugh, it's gross, and you kind of give them a sideways glance when they continue enjoying their coffee, and then... You make remarks or subtle references to their enjoyment of coffee, and you say, hmm, people who enjoy coffee are kind of selfish. They don't really, they don't really care about other people's pain. It's like ridiculous, right? But those kinds of attitudes gradually other your friend, forcing them to choose between their coffee or their friends. That seems so trivial. <laughs> it's coffee, but it could also be so much more than that. Omegaverse can be trivial to one person, and for others, like me, it can be a driving force in self-exploration and empowerment. My biggest takeaway from all of this is that uh, if something in fiction feels like a good sandbox to play around in while you figure yourself out, go for it. And if someone judges you for that, um, I don't know, tell them to go make their own sandcastle and stop kicking yours down, damn it. <laughs> Okay, enough rambling. Thanks for having me. And the second one is my friend who chose to remain anonymous because they're talking about why they avoid Omegaverse. So we'll listen to them now. Hi, so I'm going to try to explain why I don't like Omegaverse. And first, a disclaimer. I'm very much a pro-shipper. And so this is just me exploring that topic, but in no way I condemn or actually think anything of people writing, enjoying, and having fun with any type of fiction, including Omegaverse. So I just don't mind. And I'm actually happy if people can enjoy themselves writing it. So that's it. Secondly, I'm a trans guy. I mean, I, I am a non-binary trans masculine person, I would say. And personally, I think there are connections with the reasons I don't like Omegaverse and my identity. But that being said, my opinion is not something you can generalize. And I know a lot of people who are non-binary trans people who do enjoy it. So please don't jump to conclusion here. It's just a personal opinion and not even an opinion, but just a general, you know, taste thing. So first, what I don't like, I kind of hate descriptions of Omega species and uh, how wet they are when they are like squirting and when the, like it's dripping with fluids and everything. That makes me laugh now, but I'm actually kind of grossed out by it when I read it. <laughs> yeah. And then there is also the part with instinct. So... Part of it is because Omega's anatomy can be seen as pretty similar to intersex people's anatomy or 
as an extension to a lot of trans people bodies at least when i read it i cannot help but relate a boy with female genitalia whatever to my own body but that, because that's you know how i am and uh, because i'm not comfortable with my body reading about it can be a bit squeaky yep which is what is called uh, often dysphoria gender dysphoria and it's a sort of vague term that is used that can relate as much to how you feel about your body or how, how you feel about how society and people are treated you based on the way they perceive your gender which is dissonant to the way you perceive your own identity some trans people experiment it some others don't and often each person experiment it on different levels and on different topics like someone might feel comfortable with their body but not comfortable with people seeing them as feminine or like thinking they're a girl when themselves they think they're a guy and uh, for other people they could be fine like i'm fine with my chest so i'm comfortable with my face i'm comfortable with my voice with just generally how i'm presenting i'm a lot less comfortable with the bottom of my body <laughs> anything bottom really as you're going to see <laughs> that's me so the thing with omega is that like their fate is to be submissive and it's not just that they have a body that designed them to be penetrated and bear children and just you know but they also like their mind an instinct also works this way and i think that actually the part that makes me cringe when i read omegaverse fan fiction because that's what's really wildly different from reality at least in my understanding so i've been told just generally by society that you know you were born in that body and so you're a girl and i don't feel this way this makes me in conflict with most of people's preconceptions and most of my life i've been met with misunderstanding and yeah things are thankfully changing but not before i myself growing up in that world incorporated those prejudices and ideas in my own mind so i'm hurting myself often more than other people nowadays so that's why reading about omegas is hard for me because especially uh, like there is a lot to do with drama in having an omega who doesn't want to be an omega and for people who don't have this discomfort i'm experiencing i think it's can be very hard like in the non-con slash dubcon sort of fic because I have no problem with those. Actually, I strive on <laughs> non-con and upcon and anything problematic usually. And so I think, yeah, for other people, it can be a safe way to explore extreme kinks. And like, it's so exaggerated and remote from reality that it's a fun way to explore like subdom dynamics. For myself, yeah, I'm not comfortable with it because... Um, it feels like it's asserting that if your body and mind are designed a certain way then there is no other way like you should surrender and that's the only way you might be happy or else you're just you know denying your real self <laughs> and you know 
I think you can see how this can, of course, it's not it, but like this can make an echo with what I'm struggling with in my life. And finally, this idea that it's inescapable and even seeing like the thing that made me the most uncomfortable, um, I don't like this word, but like, yeah, make me made me actually feel unhappy and sad and, and a bit hurt. And I had to take a step back. And because I'm consuming responsibly, I just realized I too have content I should stay away from. And so it was when a character, you know, had to basically give up who they were to embrace their Omega self, but it was not a happy ending. Like it was a pretty sore ending where it's just, there is no way out. And like, <laughs> that's harsh. And I think it's a very interesting topic to explore. It's just not for me. So finally, there are things I like in Omegaverse 2. So I think knots, knots are awesome and really hot. And so just for knots, I would read Omegaverse. And then uh, I, and also uh, when there is like subversion of uh, usual tropes, like Alpha getting forcefully turned into Omega, that's, that shit is really hot. Yeah. So just generally speaking, I, don't like when the power dynamic is set in stone and when it's even a natural thing, when it's like nature. And I like it more when Omega might have more room, like each role might actually have more room to evolve and not be so monolithic. And when it might be more society that's forcing also people into those roles based on their anatomy. But I think that would not be Omegaverse anymore. Yeah, so I hope uh, this was <laughs> interesting to hear about. And I wish you a good day. The last person who is going to talk about their feelings about Omegaverse is Kashmir Show, who wrote something that I'm going to read for them. So Kashmir Show wrote... As a trans person, I was originally warned of Omegaverse fix. I was told that they fetishize trans people and that there's no need for fix like that when you can easily write trans characters. It didn't take me very long to realize how much I disagree. There are certain things that you can write in Omegaverse that hurt to write with trans people. That is not to say that realistic stories of our oppression aren't important, but for me, having an additional protective layer of Omegaverse helped me to be able to write about things like oppression and even being expected to have children without the sting of real life. It allowed me to explore subjects that hurt without some of the real pain. There are also some subjects that many members of the trans community are uncomfortable with, for example, pregnancy, that aren't as frowned upon in the Omegaverse situation. For me, Omegaverse was a great tool to look at my place in society and even daydream about societies where people like me would be seen as superior. I also have used Omegaverse as a way to cope with my dysphoria. Rarely in Omegaverse fiction do we see Omega's genitals being referred to in a way that's negative, even when Omegas have vaginas or are intersex. Those Omegas specifically help me think of my own body in a different, more positive way. 
while there are often negative societal issues surrounding omegas, they are almost never about their primary gender. Regardless of the genitals of the male omega, they are still seen as a man, and the same goes for any other gender identity. Omegaverse absolutely helped me get past some of the more painful parts of realizing I was trans. It's also a lovely place to safely shove all my bad feelings when they occur. I'm really grateful for it as a genre. So that's what Cashmere Show has for us. And I'm so, so thankful for all the people who lend us their voices. Yeah, thank you very much for providing us with these statements. I think it's really interesting how all this play with gender and, and how it can be explored. As I said, for me, it's about gender and sex in Omegaverse. So it's really nice to have some different viewpoints on the Omegaverse take from a trans perspective, because there are a lot of people who do not like ABO. Of course there are. And the reasons that are often, often come up with is that it's too smutty or just a lazy way to write smut. Or some argue that it's very heteronormative, which <sighs> I think is there, it. There's some world right, though. Yeah, it's you could technically maybe replace Omega with female, but are we gonna define traits like being able to become pregnant as automatically female? I think what I like about it is because it's instead of male and female, it's just alpha and omega. It takes the gender element away from it in a way. You know, yeah. it's just obviously it prescribes being able to become pregnant and being able to become wet as a female trait or a, a submissive trait, I should say. But it's not assigning it to a gender, you know, so mm -hmm. it's definitely in a way it's heter it's got the same basic structure as heter heteronormativity, but it's just without the binary gender involved you know so it's it's a different subset of gender you know where that is a thing and i think it's it depends on the writer if the writer like makes it really feminine maybe if the omega is besides being just the omega with whatever comes with the omega in that universe if there's already sexist you know, with the binary genders and assigning an omega mm -hmm. to be like a female and then hating mm -hmm. on them because they're like a female, then yes, it's definitely got heteronormative themes. But typically in a fic like that, you'll see that that's not okay. You know, like I don't think I've ever read one where that's romanticized, you know, but I guess, you know, there's probably fics out there that do do it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a discussion about heteronormativity, uh, but that's in fan fiction in general. It's not just Omegaverse. I think it's wrong to pin Omegaverse with that uh, heteronormative part because it's fan fiction in general tends to or has tendencies, not everything, of course, and that the times change as well, but can have tendencies of heteronormativity outside of ABO as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think. I don't it, know. As I say, I'm open for discussions. I mean, what's what do you, what do you guys think, dear listener? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like some people like to slap heteronormativity and on stuff. Like, it's it's like, damn, it's a super point. It means it's anti-gay. It means that it's it's not a trope, but it's like a trait that, yeah, when you'll have like Roman stories, a lot of them are going to have heteronormative stuff yeah especially if it's period stories yeah like like most of the romance like the classic romance is kind of integrated with heteronormativity Mm -hmm. so it's Mm. not something that you can easily like take away from fandom or stuff like that and again don't look for representation and realism in fan fiction yes please don't (laughs) please don't like you can like obviously there are people out there that will write representation and realism but it's just don't go into a fic without doing your research thinking that it's going to be that way Mm -hmm. you know obviously you know there's definitely people that fetishize these kind of gender roles and they do want to write fics like that um so that's what ABO is for. You know, it's like it's it's a safe way to fetishize this awful thing that happens to us in society. It, it seems like it's it's completely counterintuitive in that regard. But it's just one of those things that people want to explore, you know, and they mm-hmm. want to write about and kind of make it like safe in their own way, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not as pretty as could be. So, it's just, you know, it, it can be problematic. So it's like. You just gotta you just gotta go into it with a grain of salt. Like not everything is going to be okay for you to read. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, so this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's actually if you don't if you aren't really not that much into top con, non con and all that, yeah, you will find a lot of that in Omegaverse. Or yeah. it tends to include it, let's say, mm-hmm. because you can find everything in Omegaverse, but whether it's fetishized or if it's not fetishized, you know, yeah. it, it's yeah. on the reality is it's likely it's going to be in there somehow. If it's mm-hmm. even a one off thing, it's mm-hmm. going to be it's going to come up. And then and they're also like our um, contributions mentioned that it can be seen as transphobic. I think it depends on yourself and it, it, it depends on the author how they tackle the topic i think it can be it doesn't have to be and not a lot of these counterpoints i think again come from younger people in fandom and i think it's important to remember if you are uncomfortable with something doesn't mean that it's something bad and it doesn't mean that people who read it are bad because you're uncomfortable with it. This is a you, a you thing, another problem of the trope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we should always consume media and fiction critically, but it ain't that deep. It ain't right. that deep. It's literally just somebody <sighs> wanted to be horny about this kind of thing, and it wasn't. They weren't trying to attack anybody. Or imply that a certain other way of doing something was wrong or bad. So it's like, I think I've heard people say that sometimes it's 
because trans people exist. So it's like you don't need to create an entire secondary gender for it to be the same thing. But it's just like, no, I literally just want to put this man in a position of submission. (laughs) Like, that's all I want. (laughs) It's not that, you know, I'm trying to represent anybody. I just want to fuck over this guy Mm -hmm. here. (laughs) Like, that's all I want. (laughs) I promise you it's it's that surface level. Mm-hmm. I'm just horny. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. there are critical voices about ABO. And I think I wanted to mention it, but I don't want to dwell on it too long. Yep. Because mm-hmm. I think the positives outweigh the negatives. And it's completely fine if you don't like it. You're absolutely valid for whatever reason you don't like it. Just don't attack people who do like it for Mm -hmm. and calling them all sorts of things that they are not. Because I don't think you can define a person uh, like that. I think that any criticism of fandom tropes is invalid. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think I honestly inherently I don't think you should ever be shamed for the things you're horny over unless you're hurting actual people. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be hurting actually people or involving them in your kinks in any way, especially if they don't want to know about it. Mm -hmm. But you can fap to whatever you want to, you know, (laughs) that's that's the realm of your own mind. Just leave people out of it if if Mm -hmm. it involves them. (laughs) Yeah. And Uh. a lot of people like we heard from our contributors and we're going to hear more voices from the fandom. It's. I think to explore, people explore stuff with mm-hmm. with this fan fiction and, and fiction in general. So just let them read the text, mm-hmm. create your space, create your fandom experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we also asked on our Twitter what you guys like about Omegaverse. And I think we can read these answers to end it on a little bit a more positive note. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start. Um, that lizard one wrote interesting gender dynamics at play, the possibility of super dystopian world building with fucked up shit. Everyone can have babies, nesting and cuddling, alpha commands and scenting, cocks with nuts and tons of cum. And to be honest, all the hot smut that comes with it. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm, I will always be obsessed with how you say cocks. It's so sexy. It's really sexy. I was what? from the beginning of this episode. What? I'm like, God, the way she says cock is just so dominant. It's just cock. <laughs> <laughs> it's my rough uh, Swiss accent. Okay. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> Ash, uh, do you want to read the next sure. one? <laughs> uh, Servo Job says, gender identity and expression with the limitless possibilities of fantasy is so cathartic. I also find the human animal fascinating and like the dive into incoherent biological impulses. Mm-hmm. Mm. True, true. <laughs> I agree with everything now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blunt, TVVTH. I don't know how to read it. I don't <laughs> said the thing I like to think most of right now is how freaking awkward it would be to be a parent. Like you got to buy your kid toys and isolate them in your house. 
<laughs> so they can go in their heats or ruts and you get to hear them mutter about babies and breeding and pray to God that nothing happens. Oh my God. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. Oh, like True, true. Parents of like Omega babies, they are strong. They are they strong, are strong individuals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess like if, if it's like normal in the society, if everybody goes through it, it shouldn't be that bad. Right. Well, I guess in How to Train Your Shitty Omega, like, recovery girl had a dildo to give dick. Yeah, thank you. Oh, my God. So I guess, yeah, if it's it's normalized. In that way, it's kind of sex positive. Yeah. It Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. It is. Uh, Mary Weff. Weff. I'm sorry if we butchered these names. It's... It's always hard with online names. But Mary Weth 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 (laughs) says a new way to explore gender dynamics in society. Any character can have children no matter how they identify and animalistic behaviors are hot. I agree. Explosion Valley. Uh, the dynamics, the feralness, the plot of fighting against society's expectations of gender roles, the horny. <laughs> yep. Feralness. Mm. All good the points. good bullet points. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, retracted me said, I like to being able to read about sex with pussies, but not to worry too much about the character necessarily being female. Again. We, yeah. Shenanigans with genitalia, it's always good. And Plush Peach Mimi, hello Mimi, says Omegaverse is an opportunity to take control over some of the most oppressive aspects of our society through fiction. It gives me a way to explore bias and trauma in a 100% safe and enjoyable way. There's a lot of comfort in the community aspect of it too. It's a fandom safe space. Agree. Again, mm-hmm. agree. Mm-hmm. I love our listeners. Yes. They're so good. <laughs> Thank you so much for your response. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to close this episode with one last point, because I asked myself, is Omegaverse still a trope or is it a genre? <laughs> is it real life? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> wow. Tess is just going a hundred. We're, we're somewhere else. She's she's at the next level already. She's past this. She's she's ready I, for real I'm life using Omega-verse. this episode to come out as an Omega, a real life Omega. My heat is in five days. Please don't talk to no. me. Oh, who are you kidding? You're always in heat, definitely. <laughs> Perpetual heat. (laughs) Oh god, we've been recording for two hours. Okay. Um, and I I ask myself, is it still a trope or is it a genre? Because Omegaverse has long transcended fandom boundaries. I mean, you can find Omegaverse in published and printed works. Like book books? Book books and manga and manhwa and everything. Like the, the genre made n- even news, like New York Times article kind of news. <laughs> when, no, wow. the normies have gotten a hold <laughs> yes, of it. Yes. Uh, when uh, an author called uh, Edison Kane, 
she wrote the head Omega verse novel. And uh, she, she tried to make another author, Zoe Ellis, who also wrote a, a head Omega verse novel, like take down their work through DMCA takedown notices. So Edison Kane abused the DMCA laws to take down the competition. And her claim was that she invented het Omegaverse. Oh because God. like we said, a lot hmm. of Omegaverse is mostly gay. So there is a very long video essay by Lindsay Ellis on this topic and a podcast uh, from a podcast called All Lawyers Are Bastards. And they made an episode <laughs> called There Will Be Nuts where they discuss this case. <laughs> they are really informative about this lawsuit and uh, I will link them in the description if you want to dive into this case, which is really hilarious. Uh, this person, what? this Edison Kane is so, oh my God, unreal. This person is unreal. Oh my Just God. a heads up. While both of these contents examine more the lawsuit behind it and less what the Omegaverse is or they don't dive into the Omegaverse that much because they focus on the case. There is a little bit of ridicule baked into it, in, at least from how I see it. I think not. they don't treat, they might not treat it with delicate hands. So mm. keep that in mm -hmm. mind if you if you want to get into that. And besides Omegaverse being found in published novels that you can buy, usually on Amazon, there's also BL manga and Manhua from Korea. According to the fan lore wiki, ABO made its way into Japanese fandom through doujins and fan art on Pixiv around 2014. Spreading so wildly that there are fully-fledged magazines that publish only Omegaverse manga and stores having whole displays with only Omegaverse manga. Wow. Where? Where, Where do I get what? this? Megumi and Tsuku... No, what, what are they called? So, Megu, yeah, Tsuku. it's Megumi and yeah. Tsugumi. The magazine that yeah. that story um, features is a magazine, oh. an anthology. I think they publish monthly or... Mm. bi-monthly or something only Omegaverse manga wow so that's wonderful mm -hmm. it spread throughout the world and um, that magazine is called the uh, Omegaverse Project I haven't found any other magazines but a lot of BL Omegaverse I came across were published from that magazine uh, like Megumi, Megumi to Tsugumi, it's called. Yeah, that's my favorite one. They so also good. received the drama CD. There's Omegaverse <laughs> drama CDs. And, you know, if there are drama CDs and they already had like voice actors voicing, doing, them. doing Omegaverse, mm -hmm. who knows if we get to see some Omegaverse anime in I'm the future. Cry who knows? If they make, who knows? If they make Megami and Tsugumi into an anime, I will cry. And I'll feel like the fandom has culminated to a point where it's just that singularity where we've somehow got this weird ass supernatural trope into an <laughs> anime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. wild. And yeah, um, 
Manhua, of course, also exists. Like we mentioned, love is an illusion with the tip knot. Uh, so many. <laughs> there are so many Omegaverse Manwa out there. Like the yeah. Koreans are just ready. They're, they're I think it there. depends on what platform you read them. I, I went a little yeah. bit through because I don't read that many scans. I usually try to stick to official uh, licensed works. Um, on several online platforms, such as Lesin, where um, Love is an Illusion gets published. There are seven mm -hmm. titles under that tag. Mm -hmm. On Futekia, there are con currently four titles. I read uh, The Omega Call from I there, which I like. I read that too. What yeah. was that one about again? I forget. I've read well, so many Well, The now. Omega is born into a powerful alpha family and they want to hide that he's an omega oh oh nope i never read that one i've read one that was it was an omega um born in like he was given to a wolf family or maybe that wasn't yes omega. yes a wolf oh, it was. no it wasn't omega it wasn't omega but no, i read that one as well it was it wasn't yeah, omega. it was, it was, kind of it was a... like nekomimi kind of um animal yeah. stuff yeah yeah Okay, but it wasn't Omega. <laughs> it wasn't Omega. No, Renta seems to be the place to go to find Omega verse manga legally. Yeah, since they, they have keep shoving titles. shit at me. Yeah. They keep <laughs> shoving, shoving shit at me, and what I'm like, mean? why? Okay, okay. So there's this. You know how when there's ads that are tailored to you, and then yeah, yeah. like, well, let's just say Renta has me on call <laughs> because they they just keep giving me ads. They're like, hey, this guy wants to get pregnant. Get it? And I'm like, why are you? fucking attacking me like this renta and then i'll just click them and then it's confirmation that yeah you were right you were because <laughs> they don't tell you the title unless you go to the site and of course i just find it in a non-legal way <laughs> but god no renta like i bought renta, renta, renta has, before. has 20 titles under that tech they have a lot so they have a lot <laughs> cool make sadly only has one yeah. But, but, <laughs> Kulmik also had another one that I've stumbled upon. Or, or was that you even with, with your me. strange ads with the Pregmen? Yes. Because it's every everything an Omegaverse has, this story has. This story it's called, is Omegaverse. Pregnant with... in a boys' school. Pregnant in boys' school, I think yes. it's called. And it's literally, they have every Omegaverse trope without Heat, actually pregnancy being Omegaverse. and rots and everything. And, <laughs> but and it's not Alpha, Beta, Omega. You just no, focus on the... you're a preg man. You're preg yes, yes. They call preg men. <laughs> and and I don't know if it's, if it's a translation, if it's a deliberate translation choice, or if it's really like pregu manu in, in the katakana <laughs> thing. I don't know. But it cracked me up so much. Like it's it was so, so ridiculous. You're a preg man. <laughs> no, no, it's hey, Angie, it's like literally so dramatic. And then <sighs> I found out I was a preg man. <laughs> yes, it sounds like a super... <laughs> Pregman saves the day. <laughs> uh, it really sounds like a superhero. <laughs> yeah, I can't take it seriously. I tried to read it, but and I was. Just I think laughing. the other one was a Renta one, where yes. um, it's also not Omega Verse, but like boys are getting in an experiment to get pregnant. 
Yes. It's yes. Like, and both of these stories, the pregnant and the other, he's a, he's a mom knocked up boys, it's called. Yeah, yeah. that's what I, I, I found it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for adding it in the notes. But <laughs> lucky or funnily or interestingly, um, both these stories have like a dystopia where like births are at a critical low. And women either aren't born anymore or can't have. Yeah, they have fertility problems. Yeah, yeah. huge fertility problems. And it's interesting that it's from Japan that this mm -hmm. trope, like, because they have like a, a low birth situation too. So And I really I love those ones. I've yeah. wanted to write one like that for a while now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like. I will with Irma at some point because that's where I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, it's uh, I found it funny that you have Omega verse without Omega verse as well. Well, the rental one is more like just the normal Mprek story in my eyes. But the Prek man, that's Omegaverse. Omegaverse. That's Omegaverse. Saying Omegaverse, it just yeah. is. Yeah. God, no, I've been reading a lot of these. Mm -hmm. lately and <laughs> that's all i do is i just read these back-end bls that it just mm. and then I'm like i'll find some gems and like oh these, this is actually pretty weird yeah. but it's good but yeah no and it's i becoming think a it's thing. super fascinating how this fan fiction trope spread and in my eyes now it's more like a genre in original works a sub-genre yes. of bl And a subgenre of erotica novels. I think it's only a matter of time before we start seeing Omegaverse in the list of filters for genres. You know, like obviously, if it becomes more popular with the he like hetero ships, mm -hmm. I think that'll be more likely. But I mean, it's becoming so commonly known that it could possibly become a filter thing where it's just it's like, okay, I want mm. Omegaverse. Mm. You wow. know, how many years? <laughs> Till there's like an Omegaverse category on Pornhub. Right. <laughs> oh my God. See, I, I am told not prepared. You, she's just at the next level. She's just like real life oh Omegaverse. God. Give yeah. me now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that would be the next step. But first we have to. I think we have like foot. five steps before that. <laughs> at least five. But there's at But least a few steps before that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting to see where where this is going and that fandom sparked it. And now it's like it's becoming a, a normie thing. It's a genre. Mm -hmm. It's an unofficial genre, but it's definitely there even in mm -hmm. normie mm -hmm. world. So like in <laughs> published printed original works. That's yes. I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a good way to come to a conclusion of this episode. We've talked a lot. We've talked for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, let's see, let's see where this is going. Mm -hmm. Feel free to let us know what you feel about Omegaverse and things that you you read that you like. I, obviously, we're always looking for content to consume mm -hmm. as fans ourselves. So if you know a good one, let us know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Also, since we're now on YouTube, leave us a comment, add yes. us on Twitter. We're at Futoshi Weekly. Thank you so much for listening. And mm -hmm. we'll see you next time. Oh. 
Oh, 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 oh.